Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Tony Kennett, Tony, uh, co-founder of Chalkboard Review, is in. Former educator, education journalist, filling in for Hammer. How are you, sir? Absolutely stellar. How are you? One of the issues that are, is kind of on the periphery of the whole the, the the midterms and the election this week is the uh, backdrop of former President Donald Trump, number forty-five, kind of teasing that he's going to be announcing soon for his run for president i mean i think officially the race for 2024 has started after the midterm elections he hasn't said anything yet but he's been teasing about it hard i thought he was going to do it before the elections he, he kind of talked about doing it like monday night or Tuesday, which would have been weird timing yeah it really would have been but um now it's supposed to be like i don't know sometime next week maybe november 15th or something like that which probably would make sense on his end just to get out there before anybody else and um uh, what do you what do you think initially? I mean, the timing should should Donald Trump um, announce his bid for twenty twenty four while we're still in the middle of these twenty twenty two elections? Technically, so uh, first of all, the thing that is important to know: if we take Trump, DeSantis, and all the other people, and we we put them out of this and look at this strictly from a political framework, announcing your candidacy to primary right after the last election historically doesn't go very well. Candidates really? lose momentum over time, especially going into the general. Donald Trump has really embarrassed himself in a lot of ways in the last couple of weeks. And again, this is talking to someone who voted for him in 2016 and yeah. voted for him again in 2020. He has made himself a mountain to climb. I don't get how Donald Trump could have said this. some of the stuff he said about Ron DeSantis, who won big in Florida. I mean, Florida, he's on fire in Florida. I mean, a historic, historic. Flipping win. Miami <laughs> days. Yes. Just, you don't do that. You um, just don't. But... Um, you know, in the wake of the success, here's some of the things Donald Trump has said recently. This is from the Wall Street Journal over the past couple of days, I think. Uh, Trump said he's going to share things about him that won't be very flattering. Why? I know more about him than anybody other than his wife, who is really running his campaign. Uh, he said that in the event of, event of DeSantis deciding to run. Um, I think if he runs, he could hurt himself very badly. I think he would be making a big mistake. I think the base would not like it. I uh, think it would be, um, I do not think it would be good for the party. These are all recent quotes from Donald Trump from Fox News and Wall Street Journal. And it really just doesn't fit well for him here, especially, I mean, going after Sanders, throwing his wife in the mix is a very awkward thing to do, especially not only the fact that, like, if we want to talk about general decorum, which has never really been Trump's specialty, uh, throwing the cancer survivor kind of under the bus there and saying she's really running the campaign. Well, if DeSantis weren't a popular candidate, yeah, maybe that would be a good thing to say, yeah. but people love them. They're a power couple. They've done great things for Florida. He punches the woke just as hard as Donald Trump does. He just doesn't punch babies in the same way that Trump does. <laughs> you know, you don't have DeSantis going on the record and calling Mitch McConnell's wife a racist name. You don't have that. Ted, and, yeah, uh, Ted Cruz's dad. Uh, what do you say about him, about uh, his um, Kennedy uh, assassination? Yeah. He looks like the... It's like something the, like that. Did it, I get that right? Yeah, it's <laughs> just so awkward and it's just so needless. And I think that a lot of people are really wishing that Trump would just go be the quiet kingmaker from Mar-a-Lago. And that's not what happened. That's not what happened. He wants more attention. I tell you what, there we get tweets when we talk about this. Um, we, when we talk about Donald Trump in a negative way, we get tweets like bashing us, saying, hey, what, what's going on here? I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm not here. bashing. I, I supported him in 2016. 
2016. Sure. I supported him in 2020. I think he was very, very maliciously treated. What he is saying right now is objectively unhelpful. I'm not even going around and saying that, you know, he cost the entire country the election. I'm not saying that in, in regards to the 2022 election. I'm saying that what he is doing right now for the future of the country is unhelpful. The candidates that he endorsed did poorly. Vance should not have been as close of an election. That was one of the only candidates of his that won. Oz got beaten. And the reason he got beaten, and I don't just mean like he narrowly lost, Oz should not have had a problem beating Fetterman. He should not have had a problem. Fetterman is a radical. Fetterman had a stroke, could not form sentences, and Oz still lost. Um, well, Trump did have some victories, though. I mean, I think he's had about 200 of them uh, over this this week. But, like, you know, Greg Pence, people like that. Well, I mean, right? okay, you know, <laughs> in competitive districts, I don't think so. In in safe red districts where, yeah. like, look, you and I both know Greg Pence was going to reign. He was my representative. You know, I, I clicked his name and I didn't vote for him in the last primary. If, Greg, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I mean, that's just, you know, the, the way that is. I did vote for him in the general. But, I mean, endorsing the already known winner, that's not impressive. That's like me going, yeah, I think LeBron's going to score a lot of points tonight. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's not impressive. Uh, Trump also had a uh, mine is bigger than yours moment here after the success DeSantis had in the midterms, saying on his social media platform, quote, now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well, shouldn't it be said that in 2020, I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron D got this year, 5.7 million to 4.6 million? Just asking. I mean, okay, DeSantis also <laughs> scored Miami-Dade and also more of the Hispanic vote. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, I don't, it's just unnecessary. Put aside all of the other stuff you think about him. It's just, is it really what we need right now? Is this really where the energy and the focus needs to be? I don't think so. Um, I mean, you remember this all started. Actually, I'll tell you where this all started. For me, it was before um, he, the Ron DeSantis, go ahead and play that clip. Ron DeSantis uh, from a couple days ago. But we have the best poll numbers. Where are they? Are they putting them up on the screen? I think so. Put them up. Look. Yeah, we're putting them up. We're winning. We're winning big, big, big in the Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. Let's see. There it is. Trump at 71. Ron DeSanctimonious at 10 percent. Mike Pence at seven. Mike's doing better than I thought. Um, So it kind of started there, but even before that, Tony, it started for me when Jared Kushner went on, I believe it was Fox and Friends a few weeks ago, and really uh, made it known how he disapproved of uh, DeSantis sending the illegal border crossers uh, to, you know, know, Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And New York, um, was it DeSantis that sent them to Martha's Vineyard? Or was yeah, that yeah, Abbott? yeah, that was, was that no, no, that was DeSantis that okay. sent them to Martha's Vineyard. I, you know, I, you know, Jared Kushner going on and saying, well, we can't treat these pe- people as human pawns. We, you know, I didn't, you know, basically disapproving of that. That's Jared Kushner, but it was also, basically a, sur- a surrogate of Donald Trump. But it's tut-tutting. Again, I just don't think that the, the tut-tutting in, in that certain circumstance was helpful. Again, just like Trump going after him here is just not helpful. Again, I am not anti-Trump. I'm not, I'm not a never-Trumper. I'm saying saying that it is simply time for him to go quietly into the kingmaker territory. He can be a good player from the sides. It doesn't need to be Trump in the middle of the spotlight again. I don't want another 22. I don't. I want a DeSantis victory in 24 because that's what will resonate with the country. Well, Democrats definitely don't want Trump to run. Here's Biden yesterday at his press conference uh, when he was asked about the possibility of Trump running. 
attempt to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution does not become the next president again. Legitimate efforts of the Constitution. Can you interpret that? Can you interpret that Biden speak for me? I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. I mean, there's maybe a chance that Trump will be indicted um, on some stuff. But what was what are you talking about with the Constitution? I I, I don't know. He doesn't know. Uh, I'm I'm again. This is you have a fifty fifty every time Biden gets done speaking that he's going to have trouble finding his way off of the stage, yeah. uh, or calling out to uh, Congress women that have passed, or shaking uh, hands with the air. I mean, his son has died in 18 different locations, according to him. He was yeah. raised by 13 different ethnicities in 26 different yeah. locations around the country. The man has no idea where he is or what he's doing. But you know who MSNBC would love to see run for president in oh, 2024? Are you ready? Let me hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Fetterneck. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president. <laughs> she um, sighed as she I said it. some variables, obviously. <laughs> just but, a few. Just a few. But I just, you know... It, it, what he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the mm. way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes it makes you wonder about his future. OK, so what, what it is think? that you what it is that you heard her <laughs> saying there was her disdain for rural America. Let me yes. explain it. This deeply unpopular candidate that couldn't put sentences together. She said the deep red part. You said the deep red part of Pennsylvania, yeah, the rural district. Okay, again, media, if you really want to go after individuals who live in rural America, okay, but remember, you need those votes, according to the Electoral College, just as much as you need the interurban areas. Fetterman is a garbage candidate. The only reason he won is because he got an early hit in on Oz saying he's from New Jersey. He's not Pennsylvanian, which, by the way, was true. Plus, they have uh, equal mental acuity. Yeah, no kidding. If Fetterman and Biden run in 24 as a combined ticket, it will be the first time we have one combined brain running for office. Oh, Matt Bear, happy to have you back in action, man. How are you? It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer is out today. Tony Kennett's filling in. I do want to bring Hammer into the fold here. It's his day off, but he is on the drivehubler.com hotline. Hambone, what's going on? Nothing, man. Um, you know, it's uh, Mr. Mom kind of day for me today. Yeah. Coupon lady's car is getting fixed, so I'm like the chauffeur for the young <laughs> one today. Well, you – so even though it's your day off, you were there at the breakfast. We, You and I were both honored to attend the Thanksgiving with the Cop charity event uh, this morning at the Ritz-Charles in Carmel. We were uh, guests of FOP President Rick Snyder. And we were raising money for the Central Indiana Police Foundation. Tons of law enforcement from all over the state. Huge auction. And um, it was Zupanzik. Uh, Zoop was, uh, <laughs> was dude, that guy is a character. So, you know, Central Indiana Police Foundation, they support the traumatically, you know, they support traumatically injured officers, officers killed in the line of duty, their, their families. And there's, I know there was a big push this morning to get trauma kits into police cars. I was I was trying to convey how unbelievably uh, humbled and honorable and, uh, and honored we were to to be there today. You and I weren't doing anything; we were just guests uh, at a table. Um, maybe just talk about the experience uh, for a second. And uh, the the main speaker today was um, the uh, father of uh, a police officer that died in the line of duty, uh, Marion County Sheriff's Deputy Jason Baker. 
Um, so he was the main speaker today. Just kind of take us through your, your emotions, what you were feeling today. You know, first of all, just from our perspective, Nige, the fact that officers come up and tell us, hey, thank you guys for talking about us. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. I mean, we're just two guys on a radio. You know, we say what we feel. We give our opinions. Uh, but the fact that some of these officers don't hear that in the media, and maybe they don't hear that out of the streets, I don't know. It's really humbling. That yeah, that happened several times. It happened several times this morning, and I was, like, just blown away by it. Right. And you and I, we sat at the table with just some unbelievable yes. folks. Yeah. Uh, we were there with a uh, sheriff from Johnson County, and we also sat next to Officer Tommy Mangan. Now, he was the guy that got shot in the throat by a guy who should have never been out on the street. Yeah. If you remember that story, oh, yeah. the spelling error allowed this guy to get really cheap bail, and he was out on the streets, and then he shoots Officer Mangan in the throat, leaving him for what he thought was dead, but he survives. He looks great. He's making a lot of progress, so it was an honor to sit next to him, and the Shanavaz family was at our table as well, uh, the parents of the fallen officer of Elwood, Noah Shanavaz. And I had a chance to speak with them after the event, Nige. And, you know, I'm trying not to cry because I I felt like I knew these people because I followed the story from the beginning. I watched the funeral. I've, you know, followed what's going on with that ridiculous school board crap that took place in Hamilton County schools involving the younger Shanavaz brother. So talking to this family, man, it felt like, family and of course they were just the nicest people and the message that they wanted to pass on is just remember our son Mm. and that's an amazing and powerful thing so if anybody has got a beverage tonight uh raise it up to any member of law enforcement who has you know lost somebody or you know we saw our friend jeff blackwell there today his daughter samaria who was killed in the FedEx shooting. She wanted to be law enforcement. She just didn't get the opportunity to do it. So raise up a glass to those who died protecting us and died who want to protect us, man. It was an amazing room. And so so also the the main speaker was the father of uh, Marion County Sheriff's Deputy Jason Baker, who died in the line of duty September uh, 2001. So you have this emotional, I mean, he was involved, uh, Officer Baker involved in one of the biggest and longest shootouts in law enforcement history. And so his father is also a police officer. His name's Jerry Baker. He, he's retired. He spoke at this event. He was, he was the main speaker uh, before the auction took place. And he took us through the last moments of his son's life. Just absolutely harrowing, powerful testimony, not a dry eye on the room. And you all have all this going on at the same time you and I are sitting at a table with um, the family of a police officer that had recently died in the line of duty. We're sitting at a table with an IMPD officer, Tommy Mangan, who has gone through a very traumatic injury. And it was just an incredible moment to be there in that room. What did you think of... of, um, of Jason Baker's dad, Jerry Baker, and his his um, his speech. 
I remember when that uh, incident took place, and um, man, there was—you're right. There wasn't a dry eye in that room, and to be able to stand up there talking about your son who was murdered by a group of scumbags, and to be able to be composed, to yeah. be able to remember the detail that he took us down. It wasn't like he just told a vague story, Nigel. He gave us the exact details, how many gunshots were coming through the window, what types of cuts were on his son's body, uh, when his son passed away exactly, what took place afterwards, what he was saying. It was just an amazing journey, and it goes to show what these law enforcement officers go through yes. day in, day out. That was the point of the, that was the, point of the speech. You just never know. Yeah. And that was the whole point is, is giving the perspective of uh, what police officers um, go through and have the potential to go through on any given day. Right. And the fact that these officers feel like they have to thank us yeah, and our no. listeners, too, Hammer and Nigel listeners, yeah. uh, for the support Um it's humbling, but at the same time, like, where is the rest of the support? You know, where is the rest of the support for the police in our community? So it was um, the Central Indiana Police Foundation. Again, they they support traumatically injured officers, officers killed in the line of duty. They support their families. Um, obviously, and there was a big push today to get the pharma I'm sorry to get the the trauma kits into police cars. Uh, I want to let everybody know they can donate at cipf.foundation. That's the website, yeah. cipf.foundation. Yes. Any little bit helps. And um, just a big thanks again to FOP President Rick Snyder, the guest um, uh, at the Thanksgiving with a Cop charity today. Absolutely incredible. Just wanted to get your uh, quick thoughts on that, man. I know you're off for the next couple of days, so uh, enjoy him, brother, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, my man. To the Hammer and Nigel. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett in for Jason Hammer. I just saw this headline. Arizona election results delayed until after the weekend. Oh, Maricopa. what a surprise. <laughs> what is going on in Arizona? I think that, they can't well, get their crap together. We have had a major breakthrough, though, in, in election counting. So now, instead of just using their fingers, they're also using their toes to count <laughs> votes, which should speed up the process significantly. So there's still some, I mean, there's still some stuff out there that we're waiting on. We're waiting on, are we still waiting on Nevada? We're still waiting on Arizona? So waiting on uh, L.A. Bobert. for the mayor, uh, for the mayoral votes yeah, over well, there? Okay, I know, but in terms of, um, oh, you, you mean know, like the like federal like candidates, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, you said, you see a headline that Bobert might 
that's becoming back or is that I, I guess i mean that's what i'm seeing right now it's neck and neck over there i that would be a huge upset if she lost i mean she was not supposed to lose that no she also wasn't supposed to be stupid but i mean here we are i i, I serious i don't i really don't think that of all the you candidates, don't like her no i can't stand her i think she has if her brains really? were marbles i don't think they Uh-oh. would fill three teaspoons <laughs> i again i'm just saying like the fact that you have a lot of heart does not make you a good candidate and that's really Quali- my driving thing. Quality of candidates. That's that's the big narrative. Well, um, okay. But I mean, yeah, quality of candidates, I don't think a lot of people can articulate what that means. I'm saying, look, you need to both be competent at running your job. You need to be able to govern well. And then you also need to have the heart to win cultural issues as well. Screaming and then a little bit of governance doesn't do anything. That doesn't actually drive policy. You know, I'm never running for state auditor. Just, you know, breaking this out there. I'm not running for state auditor. And that's because Tara Schultz knows far more about auditing the state yeah. of Indiana financially than I ever will. I don't have the competence I mean, to do that specific job. Was there part, instead of a red wave, kind of maybe a, it wasn't even a red trickle. And, um, you know, it looks like the, the, the House is going to the Republicans. That's what it looks like. And there's still a pathway for the Senate as well. I'm not I'm not sure I'm seeing it as clearly as other people. No, I, I'm, I'm not, not sure I'm, I'm not as optimistic it. for the Senate, but um I think one of the I think one of the things that people underestimated was um the issue of abortion and how many young young women and young Democrats voted uh, or or young women voted Democrats. Did we underestimate that issue um in terms of the Dobbs decision and Roe v. Wade and how uh, much of a concern that was with single suburban women no with the rest of the country slightly uh, i do think that suburban women have been a very interesting voting block in the last couple of years i've i've brought this out repeatedly it was also an issue in indianapolis carmel has been saturated with like the the solo single indie women suburban vote that kind of thing has become a very interesting voting block in the last couple of years i think that abortion has played a very key role in that uh, i don't know I, I can't give you an estimate as to how that's going to play out in the next couple of years. My prediction is that it becomes less of an issue because as time, you know, time heals all wounds in this case, I do think that will become less of a significant problem. Seems like um, after the midterms, everybody's talking about what's going on in 2024, who's running in 2024, <laughs> who's giving me like one right? day no, of rest. Oh, no. I'm tired. No, I'm, the race for uh, the race for governor of Indiana has started. The race for a president of the United States has started. Uh, we have uh, Senator Mike Braun. Um, recently making comments again. I heard the news at the top of the hour uh, making comments uh, again. People asking him if he is going to continue another run for Senate in two years or he'll run for governor. We asked Senator Braun the same thing a couple of weeks ago. So what is next for you? Do you want to run for re-election in the Senate? Do you want to be the governor of Indiana? I've heard both. I am going to make that uh, announcement publicly. On the Hammer and Nigel show. Well, uh, I'll consider that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to do it here sooner rather than later. Really? So, yeah. I'm, I'm leaning uh, in a direction where I can have more impact. And uh, like I say, I'll make that decision uh, public in here in about a month or so. Uh, what do you think? Well, he's definitely running. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's no doubt. Yeah, that's definitely it. Uh, I would say bad move for him. I like Braun. I do. But I think that in recent months, he has shot himself in the foot politically. Uh, that marriage question killed him. It did. It, it That is the easiest thing. So yeah, for, for those went back on that. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it was a really weird thing to say. Like, would you like after the Dobbs decision? Right. Yeah, there was would a, you also push racial marriage back to the states? And he said it should it should be for the state's decision. That's the wrong answer. The correct answer is the state should have nothing to do with marriage. Like, I don't know why the state of Indiana needs to rubber stamp a marriage. That's the answer he should have given. He didn't. And I genuinely think that in a primary decision, that will be enough to harm him. I, I just I don't I don't think he can escape it. Did I see a, an article 
about um, the former superintendent of public instruction, Jennifer McCormick, running, possibly thinking about uh, running as a Democrat oh, well, for yeah, governor? I'm, absolutely. She's incredibly woke. Uh, yeah, she's definitely, she's running. <laughs> I called this like a year ago, and I remember sitting in a, in a meeting with some uh, in GOP individuals, and they laughed. They did. They're like, no way she's running. And I'm like, no, she's she's going to run. She's as the a Democrat. Ideal, yeah, she's the ideal Democratic candidate to run in Indiana. She has the teacher vote. She can get out there and kind of shake things up. I served with a Republican administration. I know how to work with public. She is ridiculously to the left. She's incredibly progressive. I don't think she really has a shot, but she can't even endorse candidates and get them across the line in Indianapolis. How's she going to win the governorship? What do you mean the pack for the the, uh, the school board? Yeah, Hamilton it, yeah, Southeastern. There was a uh, an equality pact, a, a progressive pack that was trying to get a certain series of, of school board candidates across the line there. And she endorsed it, went and spoke for him, tried to rally everyone. Yeah, let's get behind these progressive candidates and, and also tried to call it apolitical at the same time, which no one bought. Everyone mocked her for. <laughs> and uh, then it came out that not only did all four conservatives Conservative uh, pro-parent candidates win in the Hamilton Southeastern School District. They won all but four precincts. So out of the 43 precincts in Hamilton Southeastern, uh, they won 39 of them, uh, which is really, really incredible. I, I just don't see that kind of that kind of outlier suddenly, you know, oh, Jennifer McCormick can't get school board candidates across the line, but suddenly she can win the gubernatorial. I don't see it. Weren't you, I mean, not involved, but weren't you covering some of those um, uh, elections with some of those candidates? Yeah, I covered Hamilton Southeastern very specifically. It piqued my interest in a, in the journalistic sense. There were some interesting stories that came out of Hamilton Southeastern. There's also a school board member that harassed me and my family for a good 30 days while my wife was dealing with uh, some some pregnancy issues. There were a lot of weird things going on in that district, and it, it definitely brought a smile to my face to see uh, that side fall apart. So you were kind of getting the word out about those student council um, student, student council, council. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tony Cannon running, running for student council. Finally, um, 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 school board. So you were kind of getting the word out about those school board members, while this, while McCormick was getting the word out about the progressives, the radical leftists, and you kind of won that. I mean. That's it, true. Take it into another level. In if you're this extrapolating, Korean, in this Korean you know. War, I, I do think that I, I will take the victory here. I, I really do enjoy this, also because you know McCormick and I come from the same part of Indiana and, and also reside right near the same part um, and go to the same apple orchard in the fall. You know, just such you know Hoosier camaraderie. <laughs> Her politics are just terrible. So good luck in the gubernatorial. I certainly hope you do better than you did in the Hamilton. Oh, well, I don't hope you do better for Indiana's sake. I hope she doesn't even make it out of the primary. Well, Mayor Hogsett. Uh, here uh, says he's 50-50 on running again next year. This is from our uh, news-gathering partners, Wish TV. Democrat Joe Hogsett has had to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, a mass shooting at the FedEx facility, rioting in downtown, and rising crime. Those events are still weighing heavily on him as he decides whether to run again. I have to have uh, lengthy conversations with my family. Um, it's been a difficult three-year period uh, during the second term. Are we supposed to feel sorry for him? No. What, what, what was that? Oh, it's been so hard. I, you know, I let the town burn for two days. I, yeah, it's it's been rough. I, like, like, what's he? I mean, how do you interpret what he's saying? Yeah. Uh, like, well, well, it, well. If it isn't the consequences of my own actions, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm seeing. A um, couple other uh, Democrat House Rep uh, Shackelford uh, announcing her campaign for mayor. We have. Uh, whoa, whoa, wait, Bob hold on Hoss. a second. 
all I have seen about her announcing her campaign. So she's announcing her campaign. She just announced today. For, for yeah. mayor, yeah, for mayor. Yeah, for the me. only thing that I have seen people talk about is the fact that she is black and that she is a woman, which is an incredible insult to her. I would think that if you were excited about someone running for mayor, you would talk about the credentials that she has, the intelligence, Experience. how well she knows yeah. the city, how good she could be for it. Instead, they're excited about her skin color and her genitals. Well, I mean, Pathetic. she's mentioned that she's going to run on, on being tough on crime. I don't know exactly Good. what that means. I don't means. know what that looks like, but yeah. I mean, that's going to appeal to indie voters a lot more than what gender's on your driver's license. <laughs> here, Pivoting here real quick, I want to play this for you. I, I want to know if you've ever done something like this, because I think I have. I can oh, identify with this guy. This guy in this video calls himself an idiot, then explains why he's right. <laughs> I'm an idiot, but I'm right. Uh, he, so his wife gave him a grocery list with the items numbered, one through seven, but he thought each number meant the amount... <laughs> of that item to buy uh, you'll understand check it out i went to the store today to get a few things that my wife told me to on a list i put the list in my pocket went to the store yeah, number one valvita number two chips number three hamburger <laughs> yeah that's how i read it now how i read it at the store is i need one block of valvita two chips there's your two chips <laughs> hamburger one two three y'all get the picture Four waters. There's four waters. Five things of sugar. <laughs> Twenty pounds of sugar. Six <laughs> pastas. Seven salt. Number seven is salt. I'm an idiot. <laughs> that sounds like something I do. Yeah, totally. I uh, I don't know if I've ever done this uh, one, but I, I have gone to the store. And my wife has sent me very specifically for like green chilies, and I've come home and I have brought home everything from the store, but the, <laughs> one, the one thing, thing she, she sent wants. me to get. Yeah, it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Unbelievably gorgeous November day, 74 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center, 93 WIBC. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Did you see, or do you pay attention to the CMA Awards, country music at all? And by the way, I think this is our producer Sam's uh, protest at uh, modern day country music coming in with this song because we knew we were going to play some audio from Peyton Manning last night at the CMAs. I don't that- like. I got to tell you, I don't really care for the CMAs because, uh, for me at least, uh, I, I like class more classic country music. Is After the what, '90s, I was done. Sam, is that your protest right there for the modern day uh, country music? That was Sturgill Simpson, who I believe to be one of a small handful of true modern country musicians. Yes. Okay, those are that's so, a good point. Okay, yeah, you know why? Because it didn't have 86 instruments that annoyed me in it. I didn't see Sturgill at the CMA Awards last night. Was he on there? At he all? hasn't released anything this year, so I don't okay. think he'd be nominated. But uh, Peyton Manning and Luke Bryan hosted those awards last night. Uh, here they are kind of busting up on each other. I'm such a big fan of you, Luke. Thanks, Peyton. Do you mind? I was talking to Luke Combs. <laughs> so what did you do to prepare for tonight? I walked around Nashville trying to find a cowboy hat to fit your head. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. That can't be done, actually. I don't prepare. 
I'm just a wing it kind of host. Trust me, that's clear. So what you're saying is, <laughs> this is my worst nightmare. But it's actually okay, because I do a show with my brother Eli. I am used to this lack of professionalism. <laughs> All right, you can cut it off, Sam. So, uh, I, Peyton, as a host, is pretty good. He's pretty funny. Now, Jimmy Fallon actually did something that made me laugh in relation to the CMA Awards. He cut out, he put out this fake promo thanking all of the artists that performed at the CMAs, but here he is. He's kind of poking fun at everyone's of the band's names and stuff. The CMAs would like to thank all of the amazing performers at tonight's incredible ceremony, including Brooks and Dunn, Dan and Shay, Maddie and Tay, Brooks and Dan and Maddie and Shay, <laughs> Shay and the Prey and Sugar Ray with Jay-Z featuring Beyonce, Maddie and Mace belting Amazing Grace with Space Hog and Babyface on Upright Bass, Brooks and Dunn with Fun and None singing One and by Anaconda Don't Want None unless you've got Fun's on featuring Reverend Run and Carrie Underwood. There you go. Uh, highlights and lowlights of that biden press conference coming up after four o'clock my name is nigel tony kennett co-founder of chalkboard review in for jason hammer uh it's pretty standard for the uh, president of the united states to have a press conference a day after midterm elections as joe biden did yesterday by the way i i was actually impressed there was you know um no rioting yesterday after the elections and uh, maybe the, the candidates were actually maybe a little bit more um, a little more civility to them when they were uh, conceding yeah, uh, their, I, the Stacey Abrams actually conceding the election. I couldn't believe it. I was <laughs> well. Like, I joked with Hammer. She was conceding last the last election. Oh, she still has one to go. She's, yeah, she's got one to go here. <laughs> um, but uh, let's go to Joe Biden. He apparently is still. He's the president of unity. He is the one that uh, after the midterms is going to heal and unite this nation. Begin to treat each other with decency, honor, and integrity. And it's starting to happen. People are st the, 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 the conversations are becoming more normal, becoming more, more. How can I say it? Uh, um, decent. I'm going to do everything in my power to see to, to unite the country. It's hard to sustain yourself as a leading democracy in the world if you can't ge ge can't generate some unity. I just, I just, I hear this. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't buy it. The day before the election, he said the end of democracy is on nigh. It's, it's on the end, end of democracy. democracy was on democracy was on the ballot. Yeah. And anybody, look, I mean, does this sound? Let, let, let me play you a, a speech from Independence Hall a couple of months ago. Does this sound like a guy that wants unity? Angry Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. And they're on my lawn. Extreme MAGA Republicans <laughs> have made their choice to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. So angry and violent Trump supporters. Those people that disagree uh, with me, they're divisive. <laughs> Remember, as he was standing in front of the yeah, that was that was the the Philadelphia the, the yeah, Independence Hall and the black where he's like shaking his fist. <laughs> v, for, v, v for vendetta style of uh, of speech. There's I don't know. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. I don't know if he wants to heal and unite the country or if Which he wants to paint uh, you know seventy million Trump voters with the domestic extremist uh, super mega maga. I gotta uh, say, talking both brush. sides of his mouth is impressive, considering most times he can't speak both sides <laughs> of a sentence. Considering half the time he's drooling out of one side. <laughs> can't even find both sides um, of the stage. Here is uh, Joe Biden yesterday at his, uh, and he actually took some questions, and they were asking him about um, if he was going to be able to get rid of inflation. What I can't do is I can't guarantee that 
um, we're going to be able to uh, get rid of inflation, but I do think we can. Which is funny because isn't this the guy that spent trillions of dollars for the Inflation Reduction Act? <laughs> now he's saying, well, wait a minute, that act that didn't reduce anything at all, except, you know, the will of the American people. Does that sound like a guy that's running in 2024? That just hit me. Like, if, if, if you spend trillions of dollars for the Inflation Reduction Act, and then you, you are asked a question about inflation, well, look, I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> What, does that sound like a guy that's running in 2024? I don't. I don't think he's running again in 2024. I don't. I, I think he's rolling out of the White House in a wheelchair if he even makes it to the end of of the term. And I'm serious. I'm not saying that because that's something I want to happen. I don't want that to happen at all. That would be horrible. But I do not believe that President Biden has the longevity to make it to the end of his term, much less run for a second. Um, and we'll get to that issue here. Uh, somebody asked him about that. We'll get to that clip here in just a few minutes. But he, the answer. Uh, to this reporter asking what he's going to do differently. I mean, let, off the top of your head, what do you think are some things that are wrong with the United States of America right now under uh, the uh, Biden tutelage? Uh, crime, inflation, yeah. immigration, education, the current health care system, the current <laughs> way that we trade with other nations, the fact that our military focuses on woke nonsense, the fact that our government is involved in every aspect of the American life, the fact that states don't have more power, the fact that interstate <laughs> commerce and the infrastructure is crumbling, and on and on and on. So this is Biden's reply to a reporter asking what he's going to do differently. You mentioned that uh, Americans are frustrated. <laughs> and in fact, 75% of voters say the country is heading into the wrong direction despite the results of last night. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently uh, to change people's uh, opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Nothing, because they're just <laughs> finding out what we're doing. The uh... more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. I like. I don't play the whole thing. He droned on for like a minute, but the, like he started bragging about the, his prescription drug prices, and then building roads and bridges as as a success of his administration. Then he turned around and said, "Yeah, but there's not that many spades have been put in the ground yet for those roads and bridges." This just reminds me of uh, when talking about Obamacare, like, we have to pass the bill so we can find out what's in it. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing here. He doesn't even know what's going on in his own country. He's just like rambling the same on. Oh, we're moving forward, probably. But he said, the reporter said 75 percent of people think we're moving in the wrong direction. What are we going to what can we do differently? Nothing. He didn't have to do anything. The tires yeah, may yeah. be flat, but the car is moving. That's that's his motto. Now, this was I thought I thought this was kind of uh, an interesting question. Uh, again, this is Joe Biden uh, press conference yesterday after the midterms. Somebody asked him what he um what you know? What's your message to Republicans who are considering investigating your family? Republicans have made it clear that if they do take control of the House, that they want to launch a raft of investigations on day one into your handling of Afghanistan, the border. Uh, they want to look into some of your cabinet officials. They want to investigate you. They may even want to investigate your son. What's your message to Republicans who are considering investigating your family and particularly your son Hunter's business dealings? Lots of luck in your senior year, as my coach used to say. <laughs> look, um, I think the American public wants to move on and get things done for them. And, uh, you know, I heard that there were, uh, it was reported, whether it's accurate or not, I'm not sure, but it was reported many times that Republicans were saying, and the former president said, how many times are you going to impeach Biden? You know, impeachment proceeding against Biden. I mean, I think, the re I think the American people will look at all of that for what it is. It's just uh, almost comedy. I mean, it's, uh, but, you know, look, I can't control what they're going to do. 
All I can do is continue to try to make life better for American people. I swear to God, I think we were, I think we were saying the same thing about the third time uh, Congress was trying to impeach Trump. Right. I, I think that we're gliding over the, the most humorous thing that he said, which is that I, my coach told me, good luck on your senior year. <laughs> yeah, and my coach was... looked at me straight in the eye and said, don't count spilled chickens before they're hatched. <laughs> That's uh, what I don't I don't I'm confused. Uh, he's confused. We're all confused. It's just so funny that he said, well, no, Americans want to move on, you know, impeachment. Yeah, I, we were saying the exact same thing, like with the useless and worthless Trump impeachments there, multiple impeachments, even after Trump was out of office. And then it, then he has the nerve to say, yeah, no, Americans want to move on. You know, um, you know, that's that's what they want. There was a lot of concerns. No kidding. With common Americans of the kind of things that people in the, the rich side of the life, the elite side of life, get to do above the law. And I think a lot of Americans are concerned with how all of these revelations have come out about the president's son and also how he's impacted those or benefited from those. And people just want to know what's going on. And yet he says, well, no, Americans don't want useless investigations like the 18 I just supported during the last yeah. term. <laughs> it, it's, it's so disingenuous. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we have time for uh, another clip here. A reporter asked, uh, this is going back to the uh, time frame of when Joe Biden will announce his uh, official uh, candidacy, uh, his run for a second term for president of the United States. And my guess is it'll be early next year we make that. What's your, well, what's I, your I, thinking? my guess is I hope Jill and I get a little time to actually sneak away for <laughs> a week around between Christmas and Thanksgiving. <laughs> And my guess is it'd be early next year we make that judgment. Oh, boy. You know, it's like I, we, we haven't had a vacation in two days. And, you know, hopefully Jill and I will be able to actually get away. He, he's, I mean, he's spent half of his presidency on vacation, it feels like. I was going to say, mean, at least White, 40%. The White House has been calling lids every other day since his, yeah. like, since, goodness gracious, right. back when he was in his own home in Delaware. I don't understand he doesn't understand. I don't even have comments that can actually drive things forward because of the number of roadblocks he's set up. I'm still trying to figure out if Democrats want him to run again in 2024. Generally he speaking, break a I hip? mean, if 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 he, I'm telling you, if there was that red wave, if that tidal wave, that would have been their opportunity to say, "All right, time to 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 ride off into the sunset with the the good Dr. Jill, and that's it, and to put somebody else up there." But now that now that it's kind of um, you know didn't turn out the way some people thought in terms of the midterms. He's like, oh, then people must like me. Because there's <sighs> supposed to be a referendum on Joe Biden. I don't know. I think the, the bigger wave. problem for Democrats here is that they just have no one. They have no idea who to run. There's no one in their party that is genuinely popular among all sides of the Democratic factions. I'm just not seeing it. So the only person they really have to cling to is Biden. It's not going to be Kamala. She couldn't pull 3% <laughs> in her home state in the yeah. primary. It's not going to be Buttigieg. He's very unpopular after his handling of COVID transportation logistics. And... Who else is it going to be? Any of the whining, sniveling Democrats in the Senate or the ancient geezers they have over there? Bernie Sanders is going to be Newsom. pushing 107. Gavin Newsom? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, he's going to pull the South. Hmm. One, yeah. one quick thing before we hit a break. I just saw this randomly. Some guy programmed his electronic, uh, his electronic drum kits with sample sounds of Beavis and Butthead. Uh, so every time he hits a different drum head and the cymbals, it's just Beavis and Butthead. Funny or annoying, you be the judge. <laughs> fire, fire, fire. <laughs> it's funny. It it's is. It's hilarious. It's just funny. 
I still haven't uh, watched Beavis. There was a new Beavis and Butthead movie on Paramount Plus. I need to go back and watch. Those are the good old days, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget those like choking laughs. And oh, yeah. Some random comments. Fantastic. Oh. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. All right, Matt Bear, what's up with traffic? My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett's in for Hammer. Sam is our producer today. All right, I'll shoot a... Th uh, I'll, I'll throw a, a few of these at you here, Tony, and you just tell me what you think, okay? How about this? One mom uh, getting blasted on social media for posting. It's a viral video. Millions of people have seen this. It's a video of her five-year-old son celebrating his birthday at Hooters. Here is the clip that Darby Allison posted of her son that is getting all of the heat. And he's all excited, standing on a stool. All right, we got it. You get the idea, right? So, I mean, there there's comments all over from TF is taking their child to Hooters, especially on his birthday. Bro, he's five. What's he doing at Hooters? Oh, you took him to a booby restaurant. Is this anything? I mean, I just got to be honest. I don't think you should take your kids to Hooters. Really? I just don't. I don't think you should. Oh, boy. I know. It's just me. It's a place for adults. Like, if you want to go to Hooters as an adult, grown man, go to Hooters. I don't think you should be taking your kids oh, come there. Come on. It's not like, you know. You're right. These are the same people that love seeing kids up front at drag queen shows and libraries stuffing singles down no, the front of their right. pants that are complaining you're about right. it's, a family restaurant. It's, it's a family restaurant. It's not as bad. It is not as bad as that. I am, as, as an individual who's just throwing his personal judgment out here, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's as bad as the drag show. I'm not saying it's as bad is going to the strip club at all. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the best place you could have chosen. Like, And recording the video, like, come on. You knew what you were doing. I would, I would not hesitate to take my kids. My wife would probably divorce me if I did. <laughs> Sam, what do you got back there, buddy? Sam, um, producer Sam today. A, a fun story here is the very first shift I ever worked for this cluster of radio stations when I was hired on in the promo department was uh, Sister Station, the fan JMV does a live event at sure. uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. it was lingerie Wednesday. <laughs> I've I, I don't know what Twin Peaks is. Never been there before in my life. Oh, I had no I idea that it was what it was about. But it's lingerie Wednesday, and as I'm working there, a mom and her two kids <laughs> walk in through the door, and there was a hostess who was at the the hostess stand. Lingerie Wednesday, bent over talking to another hostess. <laughs> so the kids walk into what is essentially a full moon. And uh, yeah, the see, mom, okay, that might be inappropriate. The mom very loudly goes, "Oh no!" and grabs both of them by the wrist, <laughs> turns around, and leaves. I mean, that was my introduction go. to Indianapolis radio. Um, you know, Hooters actually had to back down and apologize. Listen to this; they they apologized for the whole situation. We at Hooters would like to apologize for the five-year-old's birthday party at our restaurant. The mother complaining online had two very good points. Oh, One, no. this party was a total bust. And two, <laughs> our big bouncers should never have let them enter. And they're in double trouble. Thank you so much for letting it all out and getting it off your chest. We were very touched. 
Our servers are overflowing with regrets and are here if you need some support. And finally, thank you for exposing us to these big issues and keeping us abreast on the situation. Perfect. Sincerely, Hooters. Perfect that, response. Never That's apologize. Perfect. That, never so, apologize, Hooters. From a corporate perspective, from a marketing sure. perspective, perfect response. 10 out of 10, absolutely get a raise. Oh, man. Um, are you familiar with Meta? As in, like, the the Facebook debate, like, abomination? The the company that owns Facebook announced it's going to be laying off 13% of its staff, which will end up being, that's like 11,000 employees, one of the largest layoffs in the company's history. Uh, Here is uh, Meta CEO Zucks, old Mark Zuckerberg, in a video to employees about the cuts. I want to say, you know, up front, that I take full responsibility for this decision. You know, I'm the founder and CEO. I'm... Uh, responsible for for the health of our our company, um, for our direction, and for deciding you know, how we execute that, including things like this. Is it whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob two hundred milligrams at kisqali dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. See anything? Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, not like hilarious that people are losing their jobs in any situation. You're supposed to say, oh, that's bad. It's unfortunate. But in, in the case of social media giants that are laying off a ton of employees, I don't feel bad for them at all. These organizations have spent the last couple of years censoring certain events that they don't like, censoring opinions that they don't like, meddling in elections. And now all of a sudden it, it seems that they're not you know, turning into huge cash cow, huge massive yeah. giant you know, tentacles a lot of competition and everything. Too. Yeah. There's a lot of competition out there. Also, right? the metaverse was a massive flop. I mean, yeah. Mark was talking about this replacement for life. <laughs> um, you know, very dystopian, and, and no one's really here for it. So, you know, I can't believe, wait a minute, you said that 13% of their 11,000? That's how huge their company is? Yeah. That is enormous. I had no it's idea insane. they were that huge. All right, that's uh, Tony Kennett filling in for Hammer. My name is Nigel. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So like 26 million people have applied for Biden's student loan forgiveness. Uh, Tony Kennett is uh, in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Uh, that kicked in in August. 26 million people have, have applied. It's uh, maybe going to cost, uh, estimates say, taxpayers like $400 billion. It's there's a federal appeals court blocking some of this initiative. I, I don't know if, pe- if people started getting money or, no. or not for this. No, no, money that has is, not started I mean, rolling out. Twenty six million people have applied though. Yeah, and uh, I'm just wondering as a former educator, you uh, were uh, a STEM administrator for IPS, right? Yep. And as somebody that worked with high school students going into college, and do you was there any part of this student loan forgiveness um that made sense to you uh and i'll tell you there's a reason why i'm I'm going down this road and i'll i'll mention it here in a second but is there anything that just 
resonated with you at all. Yeah, uh, there's there's one small shining bit of light that I, that I that I am okay with in the student loan forgiveness. There are 536 really? things that I cannot stand about it. The the biggest thing is is it shows people that definitely took money from the government, which should not be involved at all in the lending practice, just how vicious the government has been in providing these student loans. Student loan lending practices are horrible. They have been horrible for a very long time. The word they have, predatory. They're very predatory. Yes, yes. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, they have taken advantage of millions of students. Um, it is the responsibility. Look, if you take the loan, you're responsible to pay it. And of course, that's why I think that this is, you know, bogus. We're, you know, putting the price of their education on the backs of those who chose not to take the debt. I didn't have student loans in college. I worked my way through. I spent a lot of time in, in Draper and Spiceland, Indiana, in my university's IT office and a lot of other small jobs to make sure that I could pay my way through. A lot of people didn't. And I missed out on a lot of opportunities while yeah. I was in college because I had jobs. So with regard to my laughter that this is showing everyone just how predatory the federal government is and its student loan lending practices, that little sliver of light aside, you know, it's, it's complete destruction for the U.S. economy. It's sure. waste and it's $400 billion. <laughs> the fact that we have to shoulder it. I will say though, that we give this to Ukraine on what a Tuesday. So <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as far as some of the Republicans in Congress saying this is really bad and then signing another 10, 20, $30 billion check to Ukraine. I don't really see that not being hypocritical. Just one more, just a, here, here's, here's what I'm getting at this the clip from CNBC. 73% of um, those receiving Biden's student loan forgiveness planning on, on spending more time dining out and traveling. To recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. And joining us now is CNBC Tech Check co-anchor Deirdre Bosa. So Deirdre, why are people more inclined to spend the money they're saving on non-essentials instead of paying off their bills? I think we may know the answer. Well, that, that could be, according to one survey, but, it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So, uh, let's, I'm trying to parse this out a little bit. So so our taxpayer dollars, uh, you're, you, me, everybody else, uh, going to pay down student debt and so they can go out to dinner and travel. Yeah, that's more. the catch. So imagine, you know, there's someone who's very severely in debt, very, very, very severely, severely in debt. And they get a little of it paid off. You know, now your monthly payment is lower. You think you would take a fraction of sure. that and put it towards paying the rest of the debt off. Yeah. Because the student loan no. forgiveness doesn't wipe out all of it. You might no. clear the rest of the debt out. Then you can be very financially independent, you know, channeling my inner Dave Ramsey here. Uh, but no, that's not what they're using it for because a lot of people who took these student loans were irresponsible then. They're irresponsible <laughs> now. And you're going to pay for it. <laughs> they said... I mean, the, the end of that clip, the lady said from CNBC, I'm not going to worry about the future. Oh, no. <laughs> Why would be... I worry about the future? There's Olive Garden. <laughs> okay, this is an article from, I think you sent me this one, the IndianaCapitalChronicle.com. Uh, and this kind of has to do with uh, midterm elections and uh, referendums, things like that. Only half of Indiana school referendums got voter approval this week, Tony. Um, let's see. I think um, district leaders in Brown, Delphi, uh, Wabash uh, did not were unable to persuade their communities to support uh, any increase to their property 
tax bills. I'm wondering what you make of this. Yeah, so schools already receive a lot of money per capita. They receive a ton of money. All of the school districts in Indiana receive a very big boatload of money that they can then choose to spend however they please, aside from grants that have to go to very specific categories. And schools have not spent this money well. They haven't. Schools are notorious at spending money very poorly. And so then they go to the voters in a lot of these districts and say, please, sir, can I have some more? I know you've just given me <laughs> millions and millions of dollars, and I built a new gymnasium, and we hired another diversity counselor. Now I need more money so that I can afford my new foot massager and my additional sports car for the superintendent. And I just don't see, especially after COVID, a lot of parents are like, no, why don't you show us the numbers going up with the money that you have? first and then we'll talk about more it's like the eat what you have on your plate dear then yeah. we'll talk about seconds so does it so this doesn't surprise you at all no um, I, i'm already paying is, you money you're not it's like when your university reaches out and asks you to donate after you went to college there it's like i just gave you money for tuition what'd you spend it on here's the headline from the new yorker you might find this interesting because you um i, I think you were a part you covered the hamilton southeastern uh school board uh, election. Yeah, though that Correct. was my favorite one to focus on. A lot of school board elections nationally. And it was a successful one for um in terms of parents' rights, uh curriculum focused um student um uh, council not I call it the student, student council, council again, student, man. You're the student the student school you know, the school board members, I mean it was successful for people that right don't want to concentrate on social emotional learning. Right. And Academic like that, focus, right? basic transparency, those kind of things. Candidate okay, this is from the New Yorker. Candidates who rallied I'm sorry, candidates who railed against teachers unions and critical race theory fared depressingly well in yesterday's superintendent and school board races. Let me read that again. Candidates who railed against teachers, unions, and critical race theory fared depressingly well in yesterday's superintendent and school board races across the country. That's the headline from The New Yorker. Why is it depressing? It's depressing what's, what's because it? the teachers' unions don't have as much power as they used to have. It's depressing because the things that were supposed to register with all of these common-sense voters didn't really go over very well. I mean, you can even look at it in Indiana. Carmel, which has become incredibly blue, incredibly blue over the last couple of years, Carmel's school board elections were very intense, and they were not able to see this big, huge blue Democratic sweep that they wanted with their, their blue candidates. They only only got two out of three, and all elections were very, very close. The only election that I saw that was a real blowout against the conservative parents was in Brownsburg, and that's due to a number of factors. Well, Zionsville, too. Yeah, uh -oh. that's it. well, Zionsville, Kiefer didn't help himself out. That, that's just kind of the case there. That, that election got really in the weeds really quickly. From what we saw when competent candidates came forward and they hit the schools that were doing things incorrectly— and we're not faring very well, not attacking the, the number one school in the state and saying we're going to change everything, but actually hitting on the, the weak points, doing so competently. We saw those elections flip significantly, which happened in Hamilton Southeastern. The, the incumbent candidates there were garbage. Well, and it sounded like it happened nationwide, according to this headline from The New Yorker. It really did. And not just in this election. In Florida earlier in this year, 42 yeah. seats were flipped, 42 in a single, in single election. And then across the country, like you said, and as the New Yorker in Portland, puts, depressingly. In Portland, in San Francisco, yeah. we're seeing this all across the country. People are just fed up with the kind of policies that really have lowered academic excellence over the last couple of years. Tony Kennett right there filling in for Jason Hammer. My name is Nigel. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. American Standard Heating Weather Center, 93 WIBC. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel.
Satchel Show on 93 WIBC. I mean, I, okay, maybe I'm a, a day late on this. This the headline, uh, Tony Kenneth filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. Pennsylvania state representative re-elected despite being dead. Did you see this one? What? Does Pennsylvania state representative re-elected despite being dead? Here's the byline quote. We are proud to see the voters continue to show their confidence in him and his commitment to democratic values by re-electing him posthumously. That's the uh, Pennsylvania House Democrats said of this guy. Oh. You know, no wonder there's there's problems with confidence under the outcomes of our election. I was going to say, usually <laughs> when it comes to Democrats supporting the posthumous, it's in the voters, not the vote head. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, and then, of course, it's taking longer in Arizona. They, they're saying they're not going to get anything until at least this weekend. Um, Tony... By the way, you're speaking at IUPUI tonight, right? Is that, is that that is true. We're talking about public education. We're talking about where things are, where things are going, whether people like it or not, and where things should be going, and how you can get involved in all of that. All kinds of good stuff happening tonight. Well, where should things be going? Like, what? Give us a preview of what we'll hear tonight at your uh, at your speech. Right now, in public education, there is a serious vacuum. Academic numbers are going down. Even the best schools in the state and in the country are failing our students in the in the public sector. Brownsburg is the number one school in the state. Its students are performing much more in the, I would say, in the mathematical sector rather than performing in the literacy sector, whereas we've seen in the last couple of decades in the country, the most premier schools were performing higher in literacy than mathematics. It doesn't really matter if you can do computational function if you can't if you can't actually read the word right. problem. And those are the kind of consistent problems we're seeing in public schools. Also, the transparency issue, uh, schools that have uh, approved things in school libraries, school libraries that shouldn't be there. Uh, those are the kind of issues where we should be going is a more decentralized approach that provides families with a choice of where they want to send their kids. And is a part of this decline have anything to do, and studies have shown, I know the answer, with the uh, COVID lockdowns that were clearly unscientific and keeping kids out of school for months, even up to a year, year and a half in some states? So school choice was a growing trend even before COVID. It was becoming a more popular issue on the ballot throughout the 2010s. But COVID was when a lot of parents who had been apathetic before, because you didn't really need to pay attention to the public education system for a good 60 years, that's when they were forced to see what was going on in classrooms. They saw the mediocre. They saw the bad. They saw things that were gross in a lot of circumstances. And then they saw also a lot of social and political issues that should not be in the classrooms featured and showcased in classrooms. And so that caused a lot of parents to really get up in arms and to start demanding answers from school boards. And when they didn't see yeah. those answers met, they ran themselves. Uh, an Irish woman accused of stabbing a man to death is claiming the victim fell on her knife. Uh, yeah. uh, yes. Let me read that again. Let me read that headline again. Irish woman accused of stabbing a man to death is claiming the victim fell on her knife. Police say the suspect told the police the, um, uh, told them that the death of the 36-year-old was an accident. Quote, this individual told emergency responders at the scene that the deceased fell on a knife and that this was an accident. As of Wednesday afternoon, the suspect, a woman in her 40s, who police say was, quote, well-known to police was oh, still being good. questioned and had not been charged. Now, my here's my she, question. Wait, is, she hasn't been charged? No. Really? They're believing that? Like, if, if no one saw the stabbing, how could police prove the woman isn't telling the truth? Assuming that she just keeps knives upright... Uh, on the floor, ma'am. Ma I see somehow. that I, I see that there's no blood on your shirt or your wrist from where, <laughs> if he fell on you with the knife, that would have occurred. 
I mean, do you actually walk around your house balancing knives just so, so they're like standing straight up? I, yeah, I, I exactly. can't see how she'd get away with this. Um, the Office star. You know who Rain Wilson is, right? He played Dwight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The Office. He's changed his name uh, in protest of climate change. To protest climate change, he's changed his name to Rainfall Heat Wave Extreme Winter Wilson. We're not, we're not joking. Are you serious? Look, I don't know. I mean, he's very active on social media. He made the announcement via Twitter uh, this week, kind of timed with the United Nations Climate Change Conference there in Egypt where uh, Holcomb is right now. He uh, changed his name on the website uh, and uh, on some website. His name on social media is still the same. But he says it's not a joke. Quote, this is not a joke. The new name, Rainfall Heat Wave Extreme Winter Wilson, is his new name to, to protest climate change. Now, I don't know if there's any been official official government paperwork or anything on this. I mean, it sounds like he's a failed weatherman. I mean, honestly, it's like, <laughs> hi, my name's Rainfall Extreme. Here's your evening forecast. This sounds weird. This is like activism to a whole other level. At least he's not throwing soup on art. I, for one, cannot wait to see him debut in the WWE. Rainfall Heat Wave Extreme Winter Wilson against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. <laughs> Dude, I would be there for that. Fact, rainfall, Wait, I mean, like, are extreme. You, are you? Is that a joke? Or you of course. Oh no, I, I don't. That's you know, it's a wrestler. You had to yeah. ask if it was a joke. You didn't know. He changed his name to Weather, and he put the word extreme in there. How is that not pro wrestling? Real quick, where can people find you tonight at IUPUI? Well, you can. I don't find, think we got to that. Oh yeah, you can. F- I don't know how to go back to that now. No, go back to that uh, You can head back. We're at, uh, I think we're at the Campus Center over at 730. And uh, I have not changed my name to Rainfall Wilson Extreme Rainforest. That's, so. uh, yeah, that is Tony Kennett. You can see him tonight speaking at IUPUI. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. All right. My name is Nigel Tony Kennett, co-founder of Chalkboard Review, filling in for Jason Hammer. I got a good one for you here that I just pulled off uh, Twitter. You ready for this? This I is am. a good one. All right. Let's I go. mean, earlier we were talking about all uh, the uh, Trump v. DeSantis in terms of the rhetoric coming out uh, from Trump, uh, calling him Ron DeSanctimonious, saying it's not a good idea for him to run, saying uh, Trump at one point, what did he say? He said... Uh, if he decides to run, if Trump runs, things about him won't be very flattering. I know things that aren't very flattering about Trump. That's what Trump said about DeSantis. I know more about him than any other, uh, other than his wife, who is really running his campaign. Again, that's what Trump said about DeSantis if he decides to run. Um, now, let's go to Arizona, where Carrie Lake is uh, awaiting the results of her gubernatorial uh, election against Hobbs, and the the news is out that there, you know, Arizona is not going to have the results until way after the weekend. Yeah, at least right? Christmas. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. So listen to what she says here. It looks like she's talking to Stephen Crowder about how uh, Arizona is slow rolling the results, but she throws a dig in, possibly at DeSantis. Listen to this. What I think they're doing is slow rolling our victory. They want to take the air out of this movement, and they can't do it because it's a movement, and we, the people, are fed up, and we're not going to slow down. We're not going to let them take the fire out of our belly. And so they slow roll the results. You know, Ron DeSantis goes out, gives his big speech, and then they want to make it look like the Trump Republicans don't have a chance. Mm. We do. We're going to win. I'm 100% sure of that. I think that Blake may even win with the look of what is left to be counted. Uh, These votes are going to go Blake's way as well. And so they just want to control the narrative. And they can do that. 
by how quickly they release results. She was talking about the senator, uh, uh, Blake. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I don't see, I don't see that happening for Masters. Um, but anyway, I mean, you know, they slow roll, they slow roll the results. DeSantis goes out, gives his big speech, and they want to make it look like the Trump Republicans don't have a chance. That, first of all, I think DeSantis. Uh, uh, endorsed Carrie Lake or yeah, what that uh, stunt for? So first of all, I don't What's think what's going on here. I don't think she was actually so. Before when you were telling me about this before the break, I I kind of pictured her. It was more of a direct smack to DeSantis. I don't think it, maybe it, it, she was talking about media narrative. Yeah, maybe. it comes across. I see her slapping Fox News and the Daily Wire uh, and saying, "Oh well, you know they they will want to focus on DeSantis and say that it's his party now instead of Trump's." Okay. It is even if you win, it it is still and it's not DeSantis' party. DeSantis has never once claimed ownership of the Republican Party. He's never once claimed that he. Knows was best for the country. He has claimed that he is busy working on Florida. And that is a very good strategy. Apparently, no one else knows how to do that. Just say, look, I'm focusing on the job that I was elected to do. I'm, I'm just unnecessary from Carrie. Unne- she can come out and say, look, we're not finished. And like everyone cheers. Yeah. You don't have to tie your name to Trump and we're going to, yeah, we're all still here. So she's a big Stop Trump it. Republican and DeSantis doesn't seem like he wants that uh, label anymore. And so you, but you think that comment from Carrie Lake was more about the media narrative? No, comment. I like or, Carrie. Is, no, but, Carrie is a very punch media kind of person. She'll punch oh, the yeah. left media. She'll punch the right media. Oh, yeah. She's very up in the grill, so to speak. So, I mean, let's let's talk more about your midterm reaction. What positives can Republicans take away from this past week? I mean, there's still some things up in the air. It looks like they are going to take the House, not by as wide as margin as they thought. It, I mean, there's still a, a pathway to uh, uh, a Senate majority, very slim as it may be. We're waiting on results of Senate results in Nevada and uh and Arizona I think I think we're waiting on Alaska too Murkowski and her challenge yeah, but those yeah, are both that, that those are system, yeah. yeah um so and then of course the 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 runoff in Georgia and there still seems to be some doom and gloom in certain Republican circles about well it wasn't the it wasn't the red wave we were expecting but there I mean there's positives out there right well yeah there's 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 some really serious positives that the Republican Party needs to look at from this the first is that a lot of districts that were considered extremely uncompetitive up until this point, looking at Indiana 01 for sure, were very competitive in this election. A lot of things were close. A New York Republican got close to winning the gubernatorial in New York. Not Seldon. supposed to happen. Yeah. Same with, again, Indiana 01, looking over at Green. There were a lot of elections that were very close, a lot of all the way down from school board up to the federal elections. Things were a lot closer. The problem with Republicans is not that people weren't buying the Republican message. The problem with Republicans is that they ran a bunch of incompetent candidates who did not know what they were doing. They had a lot of heart. And this is, again, all from the very lowest level up to the highest. They're getting out there and they, they scream and yell at the sky and they say a lot of stuff that's very passionate, but they don't actually show a lot of prowess and articulation out on the field. And I think that for competitive districts, I'm not talking about the safe red areas. I'm not talking about Diego. I'm talking about the very mm. difficult races out there. People want stability, they want competence, and Republicans have historically been able to provide that a lot more readily than Democrats. So, Republicans that are looking for something positive, you now know who to pick in the 2024 elections. You know who to pick. Mm. You don't have to pick the person that's crazy. You don't have to go with a label. Find the person who looks easy to vote for and that is competent and doesn't embarrass you and go with them. You hear a lot about the, uh, I've been hearing quality of candidate. Uh, thrown about over the past couple of days. I mean, that's an issue, right? I mean, like like Zeldin. You mentioned uh, the uh, Zeldin going against Hochul in New York. He did better than anybody ever expected. And then the people below him on the down ballot riding his coattails. I, I mean, could you have ever imagined four blue seats being flipped in Long Island? 
to red. Uh, Maloney, the, uh, the 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 Democratic chair in charge of recruiting congressmen to get a, a Democrat to, to get recruited, so, uh, turned that over to um, to a, a red seat. So, I mean, could you imagine that happening over there? No, absolutely not. But I will say that the competent candidate thing, it, it needs more explanation than simply saying, again, we're getting into talking points territory again, where you're yep. going to say buzzwords and kind of ignore it. And the problem is we get to the Fetterman-Oz brace, and people are saying, well, wasn't Oz more competent than Fetterman? Yes, absolutely. The problem with Oz is he was a garbage candidate from the start. He was. He was very, very bad at his entire campaign. He had no idea really what policies he was for until October like 13th. And the fact that he was outside of state coming in, big Hollywood elitist individual coming in, Pennsylvanians, the big energy state, really don't identify with that. And I think that realistically, to be competent, you have to be shown to be good where you're at for your job, for your constituents, so that I can leave the room for five minutes and not think you're going to burn the place down. I don't want to have to be thinking about my government every single day. I'm tired. I don't want to think about the federal government. I want to go mow my lawn, spend the night with my family. That's the average American. A new survey, 78% of Americans say they're looking to save money this holiday season by purchasing pre-owned gifts and uh i'm not talking about like like vintage collectibles or refurbished electronics I mean, we're talking about uh, the 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 re-commerce sites like craigslist facebook marketplace do you ever use does your wife do facebook marketplace does no i stuff? do and i regret it every single day i'm trying to sell an oak door in greenfield right now this like oak door that i've had for ages and i'm so tired of people going is this still available hold on you get that ding yeah, but I just don't Ugh. want people. Lindsay uses Facebook Marketplace all the time to sell stuff, and I'm like, what? I don't want strangers coming up to my door. I, don't tell these people where uh, I don't tell where I, people where I live. I've this sold, is not a it's not a situation where she goes to the local Zionsville Police Department. How they tell you to do if you're selling something on eBay and you meet up with an Xbox or, or well, that's shoes. what I do. Yeah, I, I meet do up. You, at the really? local Kroger no. and Walmart are like my mainstays when I sell something on Facebook Marketplace. I do that a lot. I would say that's a good thing. I mean, that jacket over there that's hanging on the hook that is used. Um, it's so a, it's 75 nice percent of Americans say giving pre-owned gifts has become more socially acceptable. 86% say they're likely to buy used gifts or at least price check a gift on resale websites before buying it I mean, at the retail price. It makes total sense, I think, uh, to yeah. me in terms of... I mean, if it, Inflation's if, high, the market sucks, and yeah. if I can get something that's uh, a little bit cheaper, I'd say it's a win-win for everyone. All right, let's uh, kick it over to Matt Baer in the WIBC Traffic Center. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So uh, some success, some failure, some disappointment, some jubilation for conservative parents and their votes for, um, um, I keep on saying, uh, not student council. You were going to say student council again. I was going to say student council again. <laughs> I can't, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, the, uh, um School boards, school board votes. Yes, um, um, some success, some failures, some uh, disappointments. Um, not only in Indiana but throughout the country. What what happened specifically? H- how do you feel about school board appointees for conservative parents? You know, pro student. Um, families here in the state across the country it was a very mixed bag so we saw in some cases uh, parents making some really great strides in some places there was a lot of elections lost um, some were close some were not and i think one of and again i'm 
trying to pour over all of this data in a few days because this is the kind of area of journalism that's my focus. What I have been able to glean so far is that the candidates who kind of ran forward and out there and were just all hard and, and said, oh, this, this whole area of the school is bad and they didn't really have any solutions, they didn't really win. Uh, it, it was kind of the same thing that we saw on the federal level. I, I don't really look competent just getting out there and kind of yelling at the ceiling really didn't appeal to voters. But in some places, uh, there were a lot of parent-focused candidates who were able to come out there and yeah. show this calm, as I called it, the disappointed parent routine. You know, if your kid who's 15 takes the car around the block and the kid gets home, you're not going to jump up and down and throw the mailbox through the window. It's going to be that stern, disappointed parent. Those candidates did much better uh, in the polls. They were more appealing. And I think that is something to see going forward. On the whole, last night, though, we saw the majority of school board races go towards pro-parent candidates mm -hmm. where they were on the ballot because they weren't. In Hancock County, I left it blank. There were no pro-parent school board candidates on the ballot. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hamilton Southeastern? No, Hancock. I'm uh, not in uh, Hamilton Southeast. No, no, no. I know, but that's where you uh, were covering. So yeah, you I spent a lot, lot of time in that election, and those all four of those candidates were very competent. Yeah. They actually sat down. They talked to a lot of teachers. They talked to a lot of parents. They talked to some students about things that were going on in the schools, and they addressed very specific things that they were looking for to change in the district. And there's a reason I'm, I'm asking you about this. I'm, I'm headed in a direction here, but not the same in Zionsville, not the same in Brownsburg. What was different, do you think? From what I've seen so far, Brownsburg is a different case, and I have not made up my mind, but I also haven't actually gotten to talk to the candidates and actually see what's going on over there. Uh, I've heard different you know, narratives going on over there. I haven't spent a lot of my time or attention on Brownsburg, so I'm not going to act like I knew it went on over there because they got blown out of the water. Uh, but in Zionsville, the, the big story that I think really hurt was Kiefer. Kiefer coming out with the, the kind of stepping on his own feet in some ways, um, and something is getting misconstrued, something's kind of landing home. It was a very weird situation. And then a lot of candidates split. We, you know, you school board races for a long time in this country have been popularity contests. And we saw some of that with the conservative side this time. No, I'm more conservative than you or I'm yeah. going to run. And they split the vote because, no, I'm the better Christian conservative. No, I'm the better conservative. And it was a mess in a lot of districts for that reason. Um, Senator Tim Scott, uh, out of, I believe South Carolina put out this tweet and said, we are putting parents back in charge of their kids' education. Love that idea. Love it. And, and quite frankly, this is the first time I've ever paid attention to a school board race. You know, I, I never really, and it's my fault, I haven't, but, but ever since COVID and ever since some of the ridiculousness that happened uh, in and out of the classroom, I've really did my research this time. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, more votes collectively in the school board races, which by the way, this is a record number of school board votes cast in the United States compared to any no election kidding. previously percentage-wise. I think that that, more than anything, is a good trend for this country. Parents yes. more concerned about education? Excellent. Sign me up. So I, I, what did you think about that tweet? We are 
putting parents back in charge of their kids' education. Well, I just heard him speak in person on Thursday evening. Tim Scott? Yeah, he's an excellent guy. He was in Indianapolis uh, uh, on uh, last Thursday evening. Yeah. Was he really? Yeah, yeah. He and Todd Young were kind of talking about some of the things over the last couple of years. And to see him tweet this, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that school choice and and parent empowerment has become very popular as uh, we've started to see what's going on. Not popular with everybody, though. This is the response (laughs) from California Rep. Eric Swalwell. Please tell me what I'm missing here. This is in response to Tim Scott's tweet, we are putting parents back in charge of their kids' education. Please tell me what I am missing here. What are we doing next? Putting parents in charge of their own surgeries? Patients in charge of their own surgeries. I'm sorry, putting patients in charge of their own surgeries? Clients in charge of their own trials? When did we stop trusting experts? This is so stupid. I think uh, Swalwell's missing the point here. I mean, he's also missing (laughs) every single facet there. Yeah, uh, the client is in charge of their own trial. You do choose the lawyer that represents you. You do choose what doctor or what hospital. When, When our child was born, Bethany and I considered which hospital we were going to. We actually left a hospital and went to a different one because we didn't like the service we were provided. The patient is in charge. The parent gets to decide what food the kid eats, how the kid dresses, how the kid acts in discipline-wise, why yeah. the school, all of a sudden, the teacher gets to come in and tell them how to... No, that's not how that works. It's just kind of indicative of what the de- Democrat Party thinks of parents that believe that. This weird statism, that's- elitism, I know better than you, shut up and listen, oh. is not going to work for them at the polls. Boy, a uh, new survey. 94% of Americans say they are not currently living in their dream home. Now, everyone has a, has a different idea of what that looks like. Uh, for example, 28% of people say their dream home would be in the suburbs. 22% would be preferred like a beachside home. 20% say their dream home is out of the country. Uh, and people are being realistic about this survey. I wanted to get your input here in the few minutes we have left. Some said their dream home would be a multi-million dollar mansion. Majority of people say their dream home would cost under $500,000. I got to tell you, the survey, if I hit the lottery, I would not go sell my house that I live in now and move into Holiday Farms. All right? No way. Uh, I would love my neighborhood that I'm in. It's an older house just because of the quality of our neighbors around us um, and our interaction with the kids up and down. What about you? Uh, for me, dream home is like a simple two-story brick house. Nothing big, nothing sprawling. No McMansion um, for the No mechanics? McMansion. I love that term. I love that. The <laughs> McMansion architectural trend of the 90s. I love that. No, I no for me, very simple house. But for me, another 20 minutes out into the country. I like the rural. Yeah. Uh, actually, for us, we've talked about our dream home is kind of northern Idaho. Just getting away from everything and uh, everyone. Before <laughs> we get to Rob Kendall, who's waiting in the wings, uh, he's going to go off the rails. Where are you speaking tonight again? And, and how can people... Yeah. Yeah, IUPUI uh, Student Center, that's where you can find us. That's at 7.30. We're going to be talking about public education. We're going to be talking about the midterms, where we go from here. And uh, we're going to try not to be shot in Ryan Mears, Indianapolis. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, Which, by the way, Rick Snyder, uh, FOP president, just put this out. Hearing Ryan Mears is closing up the prosecutor's office for a long weekend today. No prosecutors for arrestee processing over 84 hours straight this weekend. You hear that, that listeners? Tweet. No one commit any crimes over the weekend. <laughs> Ryan Mears is on vacation. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show going off the rails next, right after a look at the news on WIBC. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. Yeah. 
Yeah, my name is Nigel. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Do you park in the garage, or is your garage stuffed with junk? Oh, in no. In driveway? I am, I am a garage parker, and here's why. Let me tell you, because, Nigel, yeah. I've rented many homes over the years, and I did not have a garage, and... So as such, now nice. that I'm a homeowner, I'm uh, I'm in the garage all the time. You've seen my garage. i got a big flat-screen TV hanging up yeah. in there. I spend most of the time in the summer and fall watching uh, various sporting events in there. You've... Um You've got a garage that is nicer than it's, like a a four star hotel. No, 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 no. It, it's actually not. It's very dirty. It's a dirty, greasy, grimy garage that gets a lot of dirt, a lot of leaves in. Um, and my wife often wonders because I send the cat call out to the neighbors on Sundays. <laughs> I just send like a gif of a garage opening and shutting. <laughs> The beer's open, the football's on, and like my wife, you know my wife, Lindsay, she's oh, like, yeah. why would anybody want to come to this dirty, we have a nice house, but the garage is just just yeah. completely, it, it needs some work, but I appreciate the compliment. All right, on to the midterms. You're 30,000 foot of what happened um, with the election Tuesday and why there was no red wave like some were predicting. Well, two things. One, I think we are past, and I said this on the air today, I think we are past, yeah. at least for the foreseeable future, either way, the idea of a wave. And I say that because the states have so gerrymandered these congressional districts that they are almost, in many cases, now there are some swing ones that go back and forth, but for the most part, like in Indiana, there are seven Republican districts that no matter what it is or who's running, the Republicans going to win. Clearly, as we saw, there are two Democrat districts that no matter who's running or what's going on, Democrats going to win. So it's very hard to have waves either way. Same thing is true in the Senate because the the movement of people based on their political ideologies into or out of states has made it very hard for many states to flip uh especially in one election cycle. So I think the idea, uh, look, the Republicans won the House. They may win the Senate. Senate's going to be very close, either yeah. way, 50-50 or 51-49. And the House is going to be Republican, but it's going to be, you know, m moderately Republican. So that's where we're at in society. I mean, that's kind of the initial prediction of this election, wasn't it? Then, you know, guys like me, I was like, oh, boy, the elevator doors open are going to uh, like the hotel in Shining, and it's going to be a big blood red wave <laughs> yeah. flowing. And that was just because I saw a lot of the polling coming in to the election as as the uh, campaigns in the election was getting closer. There were certain candidates that were very, uh, there were tight races where there shouldn't have been, been tight races. Lee Zeldin um, uh, against Hochul, uh, governor uh, in New York, was one of those. And, and by the way, you mentioned, <laughs> I think a lot of people, one of the reasons Lee Zeldin lost in New York, let me see if you can test this theory, is a lot of people moved out of New York yeah. and down to Florida. I agree. And, and, and you notice this in, the, in Zeldin, in, in the down ballot in New York, they flipped like four uh, liberal uh, blue seats in Long Island alone, yeah. and I think that's because Lee Zeldin was the hero there. Here is, is the here's the here is one thing though that the Republicans are going to have to figure out real fast, which is when you look at what happened in Florida, in which Ron DeSantis took, and yes, there have been a lot of people move in who agree with his politics, but they moved there because they agree with his politics, and he took a state that he barely won by the skin of his teeth, and he wins by 19 points, and not only that, but he lifts Marco Rubio in the process to a, a blowout win as well. When you compare how a DeSantis did compared to how poorly the Trump-endorsed candidates did, Trump is a poison on the Republican Party in general elections. But he, he had a couple hundred wins, though. 
He had, a couple, he had a couple hundred successes. Yes, yes Greg, Greg Pence's re-election was always in doubt. Yes, Trump really really swooped in there at the end and made all the difference. But I think the most obvious example is what happened in Pennsylvania yeah. with Oz uh, and Fetterman. How did, how did Fetterman win? Well, there, okay, so two things. One, there's no there's no candidate you can look at and say Trump carried that person to victory. Uh, there are candidates where you can look at and say Trump was a drain on the ticket, such as Dolak in New Hampshire, such as oh, yeah. Oz in Pennsylvania. And what happened, this is what I love. What happened in Pennsylvania is the same thing that happened here in Indiana, yet there are people in Indiana going, how could it possibly be that people would vote for Matt, for Fetterman? Well, I'm sure if someone knew who D Diego Morales was in Pennsylvania, they'd look at him and go, how could those people possibly vote for Diego Morales? It's tribalized straight ticket voting. Morales and, and Fetterman are basically the same guy. They're unqualified, incompetent buffoons, but because of the straight ticket voting and overall trend of the state, they're going to hold public office. Was the issue of Dobbs, the Dobbs decision, Roe v. Wade, that fallout, uh, the aftermath of that, did did Republicans not, I mean, the polling, every poll you saw was uh, people are worried about crime, people are worried about inflation, gas prices, energy, uh, open border. Did they underestimate the importance of Roe v. Wade or the Dobbs decision at all here? Well, I think the polling is showing that young people obviously overwhelmingly yeah. voted for Democrats. They came out in higher numbers yes. and look in a place like georgia where they're now in a runoff that that probably made a big difference it may have made a little bit of an impact in pennsylvania but here's the thing candidate quality matters doctor it wasn't like for the most part people were saying three weeks out well it could be 55 republican seats and they got 51 <laughs> i think the realistic best case scenario was uh 52 48 and it looks like it's probably going to be 51 49 Oz was a terrible candidate. The Dolock guy in New Hampshire was a terrible candidate. Blake Masters in Arizona, may win, may lose, don't know. Not a great candidate. Herschel Walker, now I underestimate, I thought Herschel Walker would do better. Is he a quality candidate? Though? Well, he had some major issues, but I thought Herschel Walker's ability to get people who loved him because of his football acumen and, and, and playing ability... He was a bad candidate, but I just thought the name Herschel Walker would have more, more gravitas. I just think we are so in our corners now in terms of Republican good, Democrat bad, or in Democrat states, Democrat good, Republican bad, that it's just really hard to sway people anymore. You mentioned uh, Masters, Blake Masters in Arizona, right? Uh, going up against Lee. Um, he's behind right now. There's still a chance. Why? But the bigger picture in Arizona, and and I, I like the governor, the gubernatorial candidate, yeah. Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. She's fun. But the bigger picture in Arizona is why why is it taking so long to get the votes together as opposed to someplace like Florida who was on it? So, so think about this. Florida had just experienced a major hurricane and is about to experience another <laughs> yeah. and all, had all the ballots counted the night of. And it's always these same places. It's Nevada. It's Arizona. Like, we, the, the, How do you not have a winner for days and days <laughs> and, and, and days? It's ridiculous. What do you think? is going to happen ultimately down the road in Marion County. Ryan Mears, prosecutor, I mean, he won that, that right. race handily. I mean, there was I – mean, Cindy Carrasco was a competent, very good candidate, had uh, big money uh, injected into her campaign. Um, but, I mean, Ryan Mears still won big. Moving forward, I mean, looking at – you know, we're going to have to elect a, a mayor in Marion County. You and I don't live in Marion County, but people are going to have to decide, you know, Hogsett said he's 50-50 in running or not. 
Uh, moving forward, what, what are people going to have to decide to do in Marion County? And are Republicans, uh, are they going to inject more money to Republican candidates in Pack Marion County? Pack it up. It's, o- so? it's, it's, it's over. There's no point. And again, you can blame the Indiana General Assembly in many cases for, for a lot of what happened because these Republicans gerrymandered this district, this congressional district, to where they made Andre Carson's blue district more blue to save the 5th congressional district. So you got no chance there. Grabowski ran more ads and was more yeah. places than any candidate I've ever seen running against Carson, and she got smoked the same way everybody already, uh, always gets smoked. So r- r- write that one off. The other problem is Mary County has become so bad that anybody with any common sense other than, I guess, the hammers, has moved out of <laughs> Marion County. The, the, car, uh, uh, mirrors won by basically the voter registration, 60-40. You're not yeah. going to overcome that. Nobody good is going to run for mayor because why would you subject yourself to that? You can't you can't break that just just bond with the straight ticket voting the same way as the Democrats in Indiana as a collective might as well pack it up because Diego Morales was about as bad as a candidate as you can possibly get and he got fifty four percent of the vote. The straight ticket voting, the lazy voter is too entrenched and whether it's Marin County or the state of Indiana, it's just it's an exercise of futility. By the way, I thought it was interesting. Our uh, news gathering partners, Wish TV, in this article about you know Hogshead's fifty fifty running. We got the another uh, a Democrat uh, probably going to launch a campaign here soon, and they also mentioned Abdul. Yeah, <laughs> our own Abdul. Yeah, is, but but, it's, but, it's, but this is my point. It's like if you're Abdul, and he kind of alluded to this the other day. I don't want to yeah. speak for Abdul, and we'll see what he does. But if you're Abdul, and you looked at those election results, a well funded, at least by Marion County Republican woman. Uh, great professional background, squeaky clean, no, you know, no, this was a terrible candidate, can only get 40%. Yeah. Why would Abdul, who, let's face it, a lot of what Abdul does to earn a living would have to go away for the next year. Yeah. Why would you do that to get beat 60-40? I will ask him tomorrow at about 3.30 okay. when we, uh, when he and I have him on the program. Can you stick around for one more segment? Sure. Because I want to I want to get your thoughts about uh, Donald Trump. I think it sounds to me like you've broken up with Trump. And uh, this is big news here. Yes. Uh, here on yes. the station. So uh, back with another segment with Rob Kendall coming up next. It's the Hammer Nigel Show. 70 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center on 93 WIBC. All right, my name is Nigel. Uh, Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show in for a second segment. What was that thing you put out on Twitter? Something about <laughs> you, you had that picture of you and Donald Trump, yes. that famous picture when you interviewed him before his campaign or during his campaign, and, and but you replaced his, his the Trump head with DeSantis. Uh, yes, <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> I, That's uh, a great, uh, great meme, by the way. I, I know nothing about technology or memes, <laughs> as our uh, audience knows. So my wife did that, and uh, there it's fixed. So what are you trying to say? Well, I posted this before the, uh, which is now my profile picture, in which we took DeSantis's head and put it on Trump's yes. body. Uh, those are now my profile pictures on uh, Twitter <laughs> at Robin Kendall as well as Facebook. Oh, no. uh, I posted earlier in the day, and I'll tell you what finally did it for me is Trump made that it's not a tweet it's a truth or whatever it's called trying to compare the fact that he got 1.1 million more votes than DeSantis yeah it's a like snarky snarky tweet or, or whatever you call it like sure. the, yeah, 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 yeah. the idea that the, that the same amount of people would vote in an off-year election as a presidential election and I've just had it with the guy like nobody nobody supported Trump more than me I supported Trump when I was ridiculed in 2015 in the Republican Party I supported Trump when nobody supported Trump in a general election and I was right I stood behind Trump I'm just done with it man Ron DeSantis is the face he 
He is the future. He is a better candidate. He has governed better than Trump. Everybody should totally get on board with DeSantis because he has the ability to do something Trump can't, which is win people in the middle. And and by the way, Trump saying, I think last night to a couple of different outlets, maybe the Wall Street Journal, hey, I've got some dirt on DeSantis. <laughs> You know, I've got some unflattering things I could well, say about uh, what, what, Ron DeSanctimonious. What, he had a hair out of place at one point? <laughs> you know, the Democrats can't dig it up, but um, old Trump's going to dig it up. Yeah, the, Trump still has some fans, though. He does. He? I mean, he's got he's got a he's got a huge base. He, and, he, I mean, we even get tweets when we question whether or not we should run on this station. We we get negative tweets uh, coming at us. He does, that. Nigel. But it's it's shrinking by the day, and the base is all Trump will have left, which is the people who believe the election was stolen. Whatever the person who wants to win. And they are, we are seeing more and more of them, not just by the day, not just by the hour, but by the second. The, the actual traditional conservative liberty-minded voter who wants to win recognizes Trump can't do it. We've seen it election after election now. DeSantis can do it. He is doing it. He is bringing new people into the fold, and he is governing effectively. DeSantis, if he wants to be the Republican nominee for president, this will not be close by the time it's time to go vote. Let's uh, Last thing before we let you go here, let's bring it back around to Indiana. Uh, Mike Braun, Senator Braun, uh, making uh. some uh, statements about running for governor. He did on our program a couple of weeks ago. He's back in the news again. Uh, does Braun run for governor of uh, Indiana? Well, and I know he's a friend of the show, and Mike Braun's probably a very nice guy, but Braun really annoys me. And why is it? Well, because he does this thing like I'm an outsider. Dude, you've been in politics forever. You've been a local elected official. You were a state right, rep. Right. You were a U.S. Senate. Like, you are an uber rich, successful business guy, which is fine, but you're not an outsider. You want to be on the inside, which is why you keep running for different public offices. So, the idea that Mike Braun is this outsider, no, he is the establishment. And I like a lot of Braun, Braun's politics. I think he's done a pretty good job as a senator. And he voted opposite of Todd Young. Yes. Y yes, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it annoys me that he keeps trying to cast himself as an outsider. So what? Will he do a good job? I, I'm, no, 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 no. Here, no, no, no. You don't so what? Because part of needing to be accepted in the club yeah. is a big problem with the Indiana Republican Party. But <laughs> yeah. here, here's my thing with Braun at a local level. He voted repeatedly for all the Holcomb tax increases when he was on, in the Indiana General Assembly, including that gas tax, which yeah. goes up every year. Yep. So you're not some bastion of accountable government. You're not some bastion of liberty and freedom. You're not some bastion of limited taxation. So we'll see what his platforms are. Yeah. But by the way, who cares whether he runs for governor or not? If you want to run for governor, run. If you think you'd be a great senator, run. If you think you'd be good at the House of Representatives, run. All these people that are waiting, what is Braun going to do? Who cares? <laughs> Rob Kendall going off the rails tomorrow, 9 to noon, the Kendall and Casey Show. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel Show here. I have an American Standard air conditioner, and I loved it. Worked like a charm this summer. One of those fantastic local independent dealers in Central India is. Marshall Mechanical Heating and Cooling in Franklin. In Johnson and the surrounding counties, you can call Eric Marshall and Mark Chester at your trusted American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Marshall Mechanical Heating and Cooling. If you're tired of hearing the ads on how you get a free furnace with the purchase of an air conditioner. Listen, they know that's a gimmick at Marshall. What they do is they give you an honest quote in Johnson and the surrounding counties and make sure that furnace is running safe and efficiently this fall with furnace tune-up from Marshall Mechanical Heating and Cooling. Ask about how Marshall can help you with your indoor air quality. So if you're on the south side, call Marshall. 
at 317-738-5940 or visit callthemarshallnow.com. Tell them Hammer and Nigel sent you American Standard Heating and Air built to a higher standard. 